Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. Uh, this is part two of episode 390, so I guess 391. Sure, we'll go sure. with that. Uh, 90.5. 90.5. Uh, Treg and Matt are still here. Uh, they've they've held on for a full day. They, they're troopers. And of course, <laughs> part two of our special guest appearance of Spectres Hockey, Lyle Richardson. The only reason we're doing two parts is because I'm a long-winded cuss and this thing went well over the first half. So. Welcome to part well, two. Well, I have I have no problem double monetizing one appearance. <laughs> a sweet, 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 sweet Pennies. podcast money. Yes. Yeah. Your checks in the mail, Lyle. Your checks in the mail. <laughs> right, right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, at least you'll be invited on board a ship, maybe. If you ever get out here there mm. you go there we have go. you ever seen a ship <laughs> oh i could say something <laughs> cheap but i'm just not gonna bother <laughs> this is a this is the clean hour we're doing this because the kids are listening we worked blue in the first hour we're keeping it clean in the second hour that doesn't seem to make any sense anyway moving on <laughs> Well, it's Cryer Media uh, that we did that first one for. We're going to be putting this on Cryer Media as well. But yeah, Cryer Media lets us do whatever the heck we want. Uh, but the hockey writers prefer a little bit more professionalism, which is odd. They let us be on. I don't know. We're just us. We're just us. And to our own detriment. So uh, this episode, we'll go through all the rumors. Uh, we'll talk about all kinds of different things. Um so let's just, j- just dive right in and let's start outside of the Canadians for now and just kind of start with who do you know for sure is a buyer and out of them, who's going to be the most aggressive? Well, uh, there, there's, there's several teams that are going to be buyers. Uh, the usual suspects, of course, this time of year, the Toronto Maple Leafs will be buyers, of course. I expect the New York Rangers. I really think that the uh, Islanders are going to be in there as well, especially because they're just barely hanging on right now. Uh, they, you know, Lou Lamarillo has been looking for uh, offense since last summer. That's been well documented, so I expect he's going to be busy. The Bruins, uh, as dominant as they are, you look at their roster, 
roster and, and you think, why would they want to be buyers? But I, I really do think Don Sweeney is, is going to want to load up because they're all in this year unquestionably they're all in this could be the last go around for patrice bergeron and for david Krejci, who came back you know for this season they want to win one more cup and they figured this is this is the the best opportunity they have and i think that's been the ethos that's been driving the bruins all season long they all know that this could be the last best shot so i definitely think they're going to be buyers now whether they go big or just look at okay we'll bring in a couple of affordable depth signing they are kind of limited by cap constraints so that yeah they they may have to get creative uh maybe get a team to retain salary maybe they do the uh the three team deal where another team is a third party broker to help spread dollars around but i definitely see them being in there uh, as well and uh, I think the defending Stanley Cup champion Avalanche are going to be buyers. Um, they, they have been lacking a reliable uh, second line center since Nazem Kadri uh, signed with the Flames. And if we move north to Edmonton, come on, or Edmonton, yeah, well, why not? Move north to Alberta, I was going to say, but Edmonton, because uh, they seem more likely because they need uh, blue line depth. And I wouldn't rule out the Flames either. Uh, I'm sure we've all heard rumors linking them to, to the Canadians as well. They had interest in Josh Anderson last summer. Maybe that gets revisited, maybe it doesn't, but I definitely think the, uh, the two Alberta teams are going to be in. And don't sleep on the Winnipeg Jets. The Jets are off to are, are having the talk. Uh, Rick Bonus has done a fantastic job there. He really has. Um, and uh, yeah, this this is looking like a team. Uh, they're, they're jockeying with the Dallas Stars for first overall in the Western Conference. I know that Kevin Shevelday off the GM has a reputation uh, as a cautious, uh, cautious manager. Uh, he doesn't usually make big, big acquisitions or anything like that. I think the biggest one that he's ever done was, was bringing in uh, Paul Stastny the first time back in, I believe it was 2017. Uh, but I can, I can see him uh, getting in there this year. He's got a bit of cap space he can work with. And uh, yeah, I, I can see him uh, making, uh, you know, at least one, one decent move uh, to kind of uh, improve his club's uh, hopes for a deep playoff run. Now that might be because it might be the last go around with, Pierre Luc Dubois on the team. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny how that keeps popping up, isn't it? You know, uh, but it, it, it's a fair point. I mean, Dubois is going to be a restricted free agent with arbitration rights again uh, this summer, and you know, if if he's unwilling to commit to a long term deal uh, with the Jets, they're they're going to have to trade him. Uh, it won't happen at this year's trade deadline. They're they're keeping him obviously because he's a been an important part of that team. Uh, Rick Bonus has already said he's going to do everything he can to sell uh, <laughs> to sell Dubois on, on staying longer. But you know, it, it's just common sense. If if they can't uh, retain him, if it looks like he's going to free agency next summer, not this summer coming, you got to trade him and uh, you know get some decent assets back. And if a club like Montreal that's loaded with with promising young talent, uh, if they're willing to to go after him then there's a fit that your team like that, then yeah, you can see Dubois being moved on to a club like that. Now you talked about Colorado and, mm. and you, you mentioned all the buyers. I yep. want to go into some needs. Yep. Um, Colorado, that one's obvious. They need, they need a center and maybe uh, 14 players who are healthy. <laughs> yeah if they get good health yeah it's uh le less necessary but even if they have a healthy roster they still need that second line center position address i mean comfort's doing a, a good job 
but he's not Nazem Kadri, and they're really missing Kadri's uh, experience and swagger uh, at that position. So yeah, they're 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 going to definitely be on the hunt, I think, for a second line center. Would Taze make sense? I mean, I I don't think so because of his contract. But is there well, any, it, any word on that? It, Taze would make sense for them. It's if you can spread the cap dollars around. That that would be something that would require not just the Blackhawks retaining half. But also getting again the third the third party broker in there to spread the dollars around. Um, we always have to keep in mind here too when we're talking about cap hit and things like that. Um, you know, we're talking about the remainder of their cap hit when we get to the trade deadline. Part of the reason why we're not seeing a lot of trade activity right now, and this has come up, uh, I've noticed in the last week or so uh, on on, uh, social media, especially on Twitter with people, you know, this salary cap is uh, uh, salary cap this and the salary cap that. Uh, well, the reason why the salary cap is flattened is because of, uh, we're still, uh, dealing with the consequences of a pandemic, but the real reason why is look, the cap is what it is for this year. And you've got a lot of teams who want to be buyers and a lot of teams want to be sellers, but the ones who are buyers are waiting to accrue cap space. You've got a team right now that has maybe 1.5 million cap space. That could be 5 million by the time we get to March 3rd. So you may have enough room perhaps to take on the remainder of Jonathan Taze's $10.5 million contract. But if you, but even then, even if you have enough, you may we want to leave a, a bit of wiggle room for other things. So that's where you would then ask, you know, ask the uh, Blackhawks to take on half of the cap hit and then spread it around with another team. So, uh, you know, that that's also what the, uh, the avalanche are looking for. I believe if memory serves, because I looked at it today, I think uh, 5.6 mil is what they've got in projected trade deadline cap space right now. Uh, that's going to depend on some other factors. Of course, Landis Skog as well, being uh, if he's still sidelined by that point, that's a big factor goes into it. If Landis Skog is still out until, let's say, the playoffs, if it's a Kucherov situation, then yeah, they, they'd have the room then. Yeah, sure, you can look at going after somebody like Taze, or maybe you go after somebody more affordable in terms of salary, like Vancouver's Bo Horvat. The problem with that, though, is, you know, we already know the Canucks want a big return. They're going to want a good young center to come back in that deal. They're going to want a first round pick, of course. They're going to want a high end prospect, but they're, they, they're going to want talent that can help them both right away and down the road. And that's where it could get uh, difficult for a team like the Avalanche. Takes me to Vancouver. They're, they're a surprise seller this year. I mean, they were cons- they're supposed to be a playoff bubble team. And instead they're yeah. flirting with uh, yeah, a Bedard pick. Yeah. And that's just uh, it, it, that, that situation is just a real dog's dinner at some point. All, you know, we're going to hear a behind the scenes uh, episode. I'm sure on somebody's podcast down the road, and we'll learn all the dirty gory details of what happened this season with, in Vancouver, but yeah, they're, they're going to be selling Horvat's Horvat's going to be gone. Um, I know that there's talk that, well, the Canucks are gauging the market right now. Uh, Elliot Freeman seems to think they might circle back and see if maybe they can't work a deal out. But honestly, when you listen to what um, Jim Rutherford, the uh, their hockey ops uh, president, was saying earlier this week, that what they offered Horvat, you know, for their contract offer, was based on his performance up to this season. 
And what his camp is looking for is now based on what he's doing now, which is on pace for a 50 goal performance. So he's going to want much more. Basically he wants much more than what JT Miller got. I think from what I've, I've read and heard that they basically offered, offered Horvat pretty much the same deal, but they don't want to go over the 56 mil that they invested in Miller and he wants more than that and who can blame him. So you know, unless, unless the, uh, the Canucks surprises, because remember we went through the JT Miller is going to be traded at some point dance last summer. And then, Oh shit. You know, while I was on starting my summer vacation, they turn around and, uh, and, uh, you know, sign him to a contract as I'm getting into the middle of my second daiquiri. So, you know, um, maybe the same sort of thing happens uh, with Horvat before the trade deadline, but I don't know. I just get a kind of a, a different vibe out of this, especially, you know, since you, you had Rutherford pretty much almost definitively saying, this is how much we want to give him. And we're not comfortable with going above that. Seems like he's it, it, Vancouver's a dog's breakfast. Uh, you got the JT Miller scenario going on. They're crapping on their own captain. They're making their coach cry, literally cry. I mean, literally cry. Bruce Boudreau deserves better than this. If I can, if I can just go off on a rant here, just briefly, you know, if you, I, I understand that the Canucks management, they can, they can hire and fire whoever they want as coaches. Remember the old saying, coaches are hired to be fired. Um, if they're not happy with the way Bruce Boudreau was coaching, and I realize Boudreau was not their guy. Okay, you know, Boudreaux was hired first and then by Stan Schmiel. And then like 72 hours later, they hired uh, Rutherford as their, you know, hockey ops president. And it was like, oh, wow, that's kind of awkward. Okay, so Boudreaux wasn't Rutherford's guy. But if, if you're not happy with how he's coaching your team. Then ask him to resign or fire him, replace him on an interim basis with one of your assistant coaches until you can bring in the guy you really want, which the worst kept secret in the world, it's Rick Tockett. Okay. Don't leave this guy sitting here with that sort of Damocles hanging over his head that everybody knows is going to drop at any moment. It's not fair to him. It's not fair to the players because there's a, a lot of those players really like Bruce Boudreaux. And a lot of them are blaming themselves for the situation Boudreaux finds themselves in, you know, um, Bruce Boudreaux has been in this game a long, long time. He doesn't deserve this shit. He's being treated very shabbily right now by uh, Patrick Alvan, the general manager by Rutherford and by extension, the owner of the team, you know, who quite frankly, his his insistence on retool over rebuild is what is going to keep the Canucks a mediocre franchise until either he wakes up and realizes, hey, we need to rebuild, or he sells a team to somebody who's more willing to actually, you know, you know, run a a, a real hockey team, you know. Reminds me of another team. <laughs> <laughs> a decade of another team. Yeah. So if I look at Vancouver's, um, the way that they're, I'm on cap friendly right now and I'm looking, kind of looking at some of their, their contracts and they're in, they're in really cap hell right now with some yeah. of their long-term contracts and some of them were from one GM, some of them for the other. Yeah. Um, but you look at uh, a guy like Besser, like Besser's been, his name's been thrown out there the whole year. You've got the JT Miller. Is he going to move even though he signed the extension? 
Um, another one that's out there is, is Quinn Hughes. And, and, and I'm kind of looking at his name possibly being dangled out there just just to move like he's a he's a he's an asset that can move he doesn't have a no move clause do you think that maybe he could go somewhere you know maybe a team that needs some depth from or no not necessarily depth but offense from the back end and i'll even throw montreal out there mm-hmm. like the guy can't really play defense, but the guy the guy knows what what to do when it when it when it comes time to put the uh, put the puck in the net or mm-hmm. run a power play. So, do you think that maybe he could be one of those like sacrificial lamb type deals that could be made to to possibly bring your captain back, Matt? I I would not rule it out. I haven't heard Quinn Hughes's name come up at all, not even in a far fetched sort of way. But a lot of rumblings that I've been hearing too is that the only player on that team who isn't going anywhere unless he wants to go is Elijah Pedersen. Right, right. He's the only, he's the only untouchable. You know, Quinn Hughes would be in that untouchable depending on the offer, right? Right. Uh, that would not shock me. I'll put it to this, just the way that, because let's be honest, Jim Rutherford, we know back when he was a general manager with the Penguins and before that with the Hurricanes, he was not averse to making very surprising moves, you know, which more often than not would help his team. And trading Quinn Hughes at the trade deadline, it, it would be a shock, but it would, you know, but it ultimately wouldn't be surprising if you know his, his background. I would say at this stage, you can't rule anything out with the Canucks. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of Canucks fans that are that are screaming, no, 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 trade JT Miller before his con- new contract kicks in and use the dollars to, to keep Bo Horvat. Who could say that that doesn't happen? Right. You know, I mean, say this for Rutherford, he's good at keeping us guessing. But, you know, you got to figure there's going to be, yeah, he, he's laid it out what, he's, what he wants to do and what he's looking for if he goes and trades his guys. Right. And he's not necessarily looking for, if I trade Bo Horvat, I'm, it's not going to be for picks and prospects. I'm sure there will be a pick Some, yeah. and a yeah. prospect in there. But what he's really looking for are young players who can jump in and help them right now. And he, he said it, he's looking at, at, at players who are either on entry level contracts or coming off them or just come off them and are new ones who could be, maybe they need a fresh start. Now he's already done that with Ethan bear and, and that one worked out. I would say, you know, he's been one of the few bright spots in, in an otherwise miserable season for the Canucks, but uh, Jack Stunica, that didn't seem to work out the, quite as well. A couple of, there's a couple other guys that he brought in that were kind of on in that same sort of boat. And an excellent point was made. I can't remember who made it, but besides, that doesn't matter. What they basically said was at some point though, that reclamation projects are fine, but only to a point. If you're using that as your means of re- primary means of retooling, it's not really going to work because I mean, as good as Ethan Bear has been and you know, these, these other kids that they brought in haven't moved the needle here for the Canucks. They really haven't. They haven't been impact players. So if you're going to move a guy like Horvat, you're going to be you've got to be looking at somebody you bring in that you think is going to be an impact player. And if you were to move out Horvat to let's say you ship him to Carolina, right. okay, because they've been linked to the the Hurricanes have been linked to Horvat. 
Well, Carolina is going to be a bit, uh, you know, kind of little tight for the cap. They could swing well, they just it. Lost, they just lost Pacioretty. But to your right? point, though, they just lost Pacioretty, so maybe that's a fit. But who would they take? Who would they send back that would right. kind of follow, fall into that narrative that uh, that Rutherford was talking about, about reclamation projects? And, I mean, I'm, and I don't know if you guys can follow where <laughs> I'm going with this, but I'm talking about a former Heb, and his name is Jesperi Kakanyemi. Akinyemi has not panned out as well as they expected as a second line center. They tried him there this season for the first couple of months before they replaced him with Paul Stosny. It wasn't working out. Right. So maybe Kakinyemi goes the other way. The only, the only, the only thing I could see that might, might not make that happen is his contract. 4.8 right. mil for the next, what, six, seven years. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that could be a deal breaker there, but right. that's the kind of guy I think that he might be looking at. So who can say, right? And no, I don't think that the, uh, the hurricanes would agree to retain half of cock and Yemi's salary, <laughs> not for, not on a six or set, not for six or seven years. No team wants to carry dead cap space that long. Right. If you can at all. Avoid now, it. On the cap and on these, on, on these buyers, the yeah. buyers are clearly up against the cap and Treg, you had, a, you wrote about this at the, on the hockey writers. It's a player that the Canadians are going to be shopping as soon as he comes back off LTIR. In Monaghan. <clears throat> so the issue with Monaghan is his six and a half million. Uh, yep. uh, Colorado's been linked to him. Mm-hmm. I don't think Colorado has six and a half million. But uh, so what I've been thinking with Monaghan especially is how do they make that happen? Do you think it have to be a third team? Montreal retains some of the salary which they also don't have much cap space. Um, they could get more now that they're going to have a, maybe a couple other players on LTIR. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I think Monaghan's gone. I think the trade deadline, yeah. Monaghan, and Montreal's getting a second first for Monaghan. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't, or at least a top prospect. Mm-hmm. And uh, who do you think? Do you think Colorado's the, the, the guy's taking them? We already talked about Taze and how they can't really mm-hmm. afford them. Monaghan's cheaper, but not the cheapest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in in terms of contract, yeah. But yeah. I mean, you know, uh, you know. Again, it's 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 going to depend on how much uh, cap space, obviously, that the Avs have still have accrued by that point. And you know, I I think you could see Montreal retain some salad because, as we just said, with the news that came out about uh, with Caulfield being sidelined, of course, with Slavkovsky. You know, as you said, it's not a lot of money coming off the books, but. You know, every, it, every it, little bit counts. Every little bit counts. Exactly. It gives a little bit of wiggle room there. Or maybe there's another third party broker scenario. You know, that could be possible as well uh, to spread that around. Um, you know, if if not, uh, then, you know, maybe you you, you look around and see uh, what other teams are in need of centers or more of, of a more versatile forward because Monaghan can also play on the wing. So if you're looking for a, a guy with that kind of versatility, um, if you're, a, you know, if you're a, a, a cup contender or a, a just playoff contender, I mean, maybe there's a spot for him in Boston. Maybe there's a place for him in Toronto. You know, maybe the Islanders would take him on, you know, because again, the Islanders are good. The Islanders are desperately looking for. I don't know if Monaghan would be a fit there, though, with the Islanders. The Islanders need a sniper. They need a sniper to put alongside uh, Matthew Barzal. So, you know, I don't think Monaghan necessarily would be a fit there, but uh yeah, with with some of the other uh, with some of the other clubs that are going to be buyers who are looking for that depth up front, a guy who's who's versatile, who's strong in the faceoff circle to boot, 
uh, yeah, that yeah. He, he could, you could definitely be a fit to some of those other teams. I talked to Blaine about Washington. Washington would That's be a the good one, one I too. threw out there. Washington could be a good one as well. Um, I, I think it's less of a, of an urgency for them now since, since, uh, they got Nick back, Nicky Backstrom back. And that, and that, and that was the, that was the kind of yeah. the argument that we had back and forth. Yeah. It was, it was, it was mostly, uh, a guy can play the wing, but mm-hmm. he can win a face off, but he's there as a, uh, a backup unless one, uh, you know, if, say if, yeah. if one of them goes down, right. <clears throat> yeah. And he, and he plays a decent two-way game. So yeah, yeah I mean, that's what I'm saying when you're throwing in the, about versatility, that's, that's the kind of guy that, that could, could fit be a fit for a lot of these playoff buyers. Yeah, I'm, sorry about that. <laughs> I've been told by several people online, which is clearly the real world, that uh, Monahan will not get a first round pick. With all the buyers and their needs, and the fact that the Canadians can mm-hmm. take on a contract and eat cap, I disagree. As do I. Well, first of all, right off the bat, Sean Monaghan already got Montreal a first round yep. pick. Not in this year's draft. No. In 2024 or 2025, depending on what kind of weird ass breakdown. <laughs> whenever the weird ass breakdown is of that one. It's hilarious to look at that at cap friendly and just see the, <laughs> the column just stretches to read all the conditions. But the condition bottom line is Montreal's getting a first round pick from Calgary within the next three years. So he already brought them a first round pick. Um, but you you know you look at last year's trade deadline. I mean, it, teams are a lot more pressed for cap space this year compared to last year. But it was still an issue last year. And you got you know you look at the returns that he got for Chirot, the returns he got for Toffoli, and on and on it goes. Uh, you know I don't see why that he couldn't get. I mean now if 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 Ken Hughes can't get a first round pick or a top prospect for him, if he gets a couple of second rounders, well let's not be disappointed in that either. You know, you know that you know that he's going to he's not just going to just sit back. Right. I mean, he if we've learned one thing about Ken Hughes in his year as a general manager is he will not make a move unless he gets the deal he wants. He doesn't settle. It, you know, if if the market for for Sean Monaghan is just a third round pick and that's it, if for whatever reason it ends up being one of those situations where okay, you know, we're into the last hour of the trade deadline and the musical chairs, the music's about to stop. Uh, you know, maybe he, he flips him for a third, but honestly, I don't think so. I think he would turn around and just go, well, you know what? We liked what Monaghan brought to this team anyway. We're going to keep him. Then we're going to look at resigning him in the offseason because that has already been talked about. So if he doesn't get, I, you know, I'll be very surprised if he, if he gets a return where he just settled. What do you think uh, <clears throat> with Dadenov and Drew both on expiring contracts? You would expect that the trade deadline, they could get rid of them. They had a rough start. However, they have been playing well lately uh, before Drew got injured again. again. Um, what do you think is the, uh, what do you think is the uh, possibility they could be moved? Possibility they could be moved. Especially with uh, their contracts. Yeah. I think a better question would be, well, do you think there's a market for them? And right now, no. There is no market for Jonathan Drouin. There is no market for Evgeny Dadanoff right now. There just isn't. Um, just because their first half, the, the, their, their season thus far hasn't been that much straight home. But yes, yeah, sure, the last few games they played better. But you're going to need a bigger sample size. If you're going to be able to move these guys for anything of value by March 3rd, well, Drouin's out until the all-star break. 
And I think that window's get, I think if that window hasn't closed, it's just about there on him. Dadanoff could be a different story, but again, they're, they're going to need to really play well uh, right up to the trade deadline. If you're going to get anything for them, because I'm telling you, honestly, guys, there is no market for those two right now. Nobody is interested in them. I truly believe Montreal. I truly believe Montreal thought when they got that enough, this was going to be a good. Oh, absolutely. For them at the trade deadline. Absolutely. It just didn't work out. Yeah. You look at how he played in Vegas. You look at how he played in Ottawa, you know, and where he was before in Florida, he always put up decent numbers, you know, but just this, this season. Yeah. It, it just hasn't worked out for him. That happens, you know, not every acquisition is going to be a, a gold ticket to, you know, to a, a better player or, or a gold ticket that's going to get you a first round pick as a, as a, as a trade asset. Um, but uh, with somebody like Monaghan, I still think that value's there. Everybody looks at, you know, he, he came back, played well after having coming off a second hip surgery last season, 17 points in 25 games, the foot injury. It happens. That wasn't like, oh no, it's if that was his hip again, then yeah. it'd be like, mm, okay, yeah, that'd be no. red flags all over the yeah. place. Yeah. But hey, busted foot, it happens, you know, you know. Uh, so there's still value there. It, and if he picks up where he left off, then I wouldn't rule out the possibility that he can fetch either a first round pick or a high end prospect for right. Montreal or right. both in a bidding for <laughs> Well, like, look, look, look what the Canadians, but look what the Canadians need. Yeah. Right. Look what they need. They need. <laughs> a goaltending prospect maybe yeah right yeah yeah maybe maybe they can pull one out of a team that um mm-hmm. already has an established starter already has maybe an established one two maybe just kind of lasso one of those guys mm-hmm. um my question next is the value on a guy like joel edmondson who's got a yeah. year left on his contract at three and a half mil He's a kind of a, a meat and potatoes kind of player, kind of just is there, does what he needs to do, and, and uh, is a more or less a, a guy that you want to see in the playoffs. And that's that's been to the cup, that's mm-hmm. won a cup. Are you asking that because his name sounds like a town in New Brunswick? Yes. Mm-hmm. And 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 sound and and rhymes with a with a certain northern city in Alberta. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because that's that apparently. You know the the, Oiler, the Oilers are the Oilers are interested in Edmondson, and they're also interested in Vlad in uh, Vladislav Gavrikov uh, with the Blue uh, Jackets Columbus, as well. Yeah. A lot of a lot of Oilers fans are are not happy about that. They want to see them go out go after Jacob Chikrin in Arizona, right. Right. but they the Oilers don't consider Chikrin to be the type of defenseman they need, and the type of defenseman they feel they need is somebody who plays a more of a physical shutdown style rather than another puck mover. I mean, yes, you know Jacob Chikrinson, big body guy, moves the puck well, but he's he's not renowned. His renown is as a, as a puck moving scoring defenseman. It's not as a, as a physical shutdown guy. He can play defense, of course. He's not he's not in the Quinn Hughes camp. He can right. play defense, but they need somebody who's going to be a lot more defensively responsible. And so that's why they're looking at Gavrikov. That's why they're looking at uh, Edmondson. And of course, the analytics guys are losing their minds about that. But as we all know, you get to the playoffs. Well, it's again, it was like Chirot. Why did the Florida Panthers go after Chirot? You know, look at his analytics from last season. They're terrible. It's like, yes, but look at uh, how he played in the playoffs for Montreal the previous year. And that's why they, the Panthers wanted him. That's why the Detroit Red Wings went after him and, and 
you know, paid him a long-term contract last summer. And that's why teams like Edmonton or somebody else will go after uh, Edmondson. Um, what I found was interesting, though, was uh, was Ken Hughes was saying that, uh, you know, he had spoke to, uh, to, to Edmondson and it was and Josh Anderson as well. And just basically said, yeah, guys, I know there's a lot of stuff out there, rumors, uh, you know, a lot of it's not necessarily true. You know, if, if I'm, you know, if anything's going along where we're look, talking about training you, we will talk to you. We won't leave you in the dark, blah, 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 which is good to hear. But to say that with that kind of confidence says, OK, Montreal's not shopping him, but they're not turning a deaf ear to offers either. If you come to Ken Hughes and you're like, I will give you my first round pick and I will give you, you know, one of my top prospects, you know, I'm sure you're going to have his attention. You know, you may have to sweeten that a little bit more. I don't know, but a first and a, and a, and a high end prospect. I, I, yeah, I think you're definitely going to have his attention. The thing too is, is there's the cost certainty there. Edmonds is on an affordable contract. He's got another year on it. So you've got cost certainty for the remainder of this season and next season. So that makes him attractive as well. So, you know, I wouldn't say it's absolutely 100% that he's out the door, but I would still believe him in that category that he's, that he's a potential trade candidate for the right price, the right offer. Yeah, I could see him being gone by, by March 3rd. If he doesn't get it, then again, he's under no pressure to trade him. And who's to say that he can't trade him in the offseason? Again, you gotta, he's got a year left on his contract. There's cost certainty there. You can't move him by March 3rd. You can maybe move him during the draft or maybe leading up to July 1st. Do you think Kent uh, Hughes gets his third first round pick that he says he wants? I think he can. Uh, I'd be a lot more confident uh, in it if, if guys like, uh, like I said, yeah, like if Monahan and, and Druen and, and Dadanoff had been healthier. Um, you know, we already know Monaghan was being productive, uh, but if, if, yeah, if, if Dadanoff and Druan had been, had been healthier and more productive, then I would be sitting here going, one of those three guys is going to fetch you a first round pick just based on your track record as, you know, with doing trades. I'm, I'm still not ruling it out. You know, I mean, remember last year when, when the talk of, oh, Montreal should get a first round pick for Toffoli. Oh, no way, no way, no way. Montreal should get a first round pick for Chirac. Oh, you're not so you're crazy. That'll never happen. You know, and, you know, oh, Montreal could get a first round pick for Romanov. Oh, get out of town. Romanov's okay, but no, he hasn't really panned out yet. Let's see what, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, I'll believe it when I see it, if he doesn't get one. And then it, it'll obviously be because the market just wasn't there at that point. But who's your bet on who gets moved by the Canadians at the deadline? My bet? Come yeah. on hand. That, that's, that's it? That's that's my that's my sure bet that he's going. Okay. As I said, Monaghan for sure. I don't rule out Edmondson. Um, Anderson, I think, is kind of a dark horse one. I know there are teams that really like him, but I, I just don't get the sense that Montreal wants to to move him. You know, Hughes has said he likes field. Anderson for the future. Yeah, he, yes. he says he has he does like him for the future. Yes, so. I mean he's young enough. He's twenty eight. The, the contract's not horrible. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll look a lot better, uh, this summer when, you know, when, uh, a lot of it, when, when, when some of those other contracts come off the books and of course we know price isn't going to be back. I hate, I, every time I say that, I hate it. 
but we know carry price isn't going to be able to come back. So there's, there's, there's 10.5 mil off the books. So now you're down to, I think, what is it? 63 mil that you've got invested for next season. So you've got about 20 mil in cap room. We know a nice chunk of that about eight mil is going to go to Cole Caulfield, but that's still going to leave you enough for, uh, you know, other moves that you're going to make. Is there any room to move Gallagher with his contract? Yeah. That, see, that's the problem. You know, there, there are teams that would take Brendan Gallagher in a heartbeat. They, they love the way this, yeah, he's one of those pain in the ass guys you hate to play against, but you love to have him on your team. Um, even with the injuries that he's had in the last couple of years, there are teams that would love to have him. And if he was only had a year or two left on that contract, yeah, you can move him. Um, unless they're willing to, to retain half, unless they're, but that, then you're talking about, you know, that long stretch of dead cap space on your books. So, you know, if, if Ken Hughes can pull that off without having to retain salary or throw in something really sweet in the deal, you know, like a Lane Hudson, shut up, shut up, don't say that, (laughs) uh, you know, uh, yeah, if he could pull that off, you know, then then make him general manager of the year right away. But otherwise, no, I I, I don't think there there really is. And of course, Gallagher, you know, controls his fate as well. You know, so yeah, I I don't think that that he'll be going anywhere. Who's a left field player on the Canadians roster you think might actually? go sometime at the jury deadline or in the summer? Wow. That, you know, that, that's, that's a good question. I had actually hadn't thought of what sort of a dark horse trade candidate would be. Um, you know, there's so many names we hear fly around all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I can't really say that, that Christian Dvorak would be like a dark horse. Cause his name has come up from time to time. This, geez, just about everybody in Montreal has come up from time to time. We know Montembeau is not going anywhere. That's a certainty. Uh, Ken Hughes assured us of that. Oh my, I, you know, right now at this stage, guys, um, I can't really think of any, unless you throw throw a couple of names out at me and, and, you know, maybe we'll see. None of you guys can even think of any either. So the, the, the only ones I can think of are guys I wouldn't want traded in the first well, place. Yeah. Like, well, let's be honest. Nick Suzuki's not going anywhere. Cole Caulfield's not going anywhere. Kirby Doc's not going anywhere. Anderson could, but I, I yeah. Montembeau's not moving. Uh, you know, you know, Caden Gooley's not going anywhere. Jack Eye's not going anywhere. Um, what about Harris? Jordan Harris. That's, yeah, that one's kind of an interesting one. That, yeah, that one I would say would be sort of like a, a an out of left field, whoa, didn't see that coming. Uh, because Hughes has mentioned he has a lot of left-handed defense depth yeah. that, he's, that he's willing to look at moving. And, and you look at too, I mean, when Matheson came back, I mean, and Harris, let's be, let's be fair. He's, he's, he's acquitted himself. Well, you know, yeah. I like the kid. I, I think that he's acquitted himself well, but you know, when, when Matheson came back off an of injury for the first time, it was Harris who wound up being the healthy scratch, even though everybody was singing his praises. I mean, he wasn't getting as much, quite as much praise as being singled as much as Gooley or, or, or Jackeye, but, or even Kovacevic for that matter. But uh, you know, it was still a surprise that he was the one who wound up becoming the healthy scratch. So yeah, perhaps maybe Harris would be that one sort of like, Oh, okay. Didn't see that coming, but then you think about it afterwards and go, well, yes, that would make sense. You know, Weidman. 
Weidman, Weidman wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he was traded. Let's just, let's put it that way. It wouldn't surprise. And, and I don't mean that to disparage the guy. I mean, he's, he's been an, he's a, a good depth addition for them. He's great in the room. He's, you know, he's got the experience, you know, um, he's a good guy to have on a team, but if he gets traded, you're not shocked if it happens. Be shocked. Someone wants to make the move for him, yeah. but maybe, maybe a Boston because that's your Mike Riley move, you know? Yeah. Get someone it, super cheap and. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe it's somebody that, that gets in there like that. Um, yeah. But I mean, as far as the Habs go, I think we pretty much kind of nailed down who, who's going to be the guys that move and who are the guys that potentially, but won't and guys that absolutely aren't for this season. So. Hoffman, Armia and Druin for McKinnon. That's what's going to happen. That's yeah. my, that's Hoffman. <laughs> there's, there's one. Sorry to say, no, there it is. Hoffman is one that could be a bit of a surprise. And I say that even though people are like, oh, yeah, but he's got another year in that contract and it's over four mil and he's been kind of up and down with his product, but he can still score. Yes, he's a one dimensional player, but he can still, as we saw in that game against the Jets, that wicked snipe, uh, he can still score and put him with a team that has a little more depth. Perhaps he could be a good addition there. So, yeah, I, I was sitting there and I, you know, guys, it's funny because I'm sitting there and I'm going over my room. I, I know I'm missing some, there's somebody there other veterans that could surprise it. Hoffman that one yeah that would be kind of out of left field oh I didn't see that coming be good Hoffman for their top prospect and a first <laughs> but he's good on the power play yes <laughs> yes send him to Calgary for Dustin Wolf <laughs> there you go Buffalo for Devin Levy yeah, <laughs> Calgary wanted Calgary wants Josh Anderson, guys. If, yeah. if when it comes to Montreal, they want Josh Anderson. Right. So. Actually, I think if the deal's right and it involves Dustin Wolf, I don't know if I'd mind that uh, too much of a trade. Yeah, and yeah. Depend as always depends on the return. Well, I, well, I I brought up teams that had goaltending pros or that and, had stellar. Well, I would say stellar goaltending this season with Markstrom being yeah. the way that he is. But last year, he, the guy was on fire. Yeah, he was phenomenal, and then now you've got Dan Vladar as well, mm-hmm. and they yeah. want to bring him back. So if you get a one-two punch of Vladar mm-hmm. and uh, and Markstrom, how much longer are you going to continue? St- I'm going to say stringing along, but having Dustin Wolf within your organization mm-hmm. and not moving him on, the guy is only getting better. Yeah. His 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 two years in the AHL um, last year he was thirty three nine and four. Mm-hmm. with a 924 save and a 2.35 goals against and this year in 28 games he's 22 and 5 with yeah. a 931 save percentage four shutouts and a 2.1 goals against yeah and and, 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 and and they were saying this guy is too small to play being a, a six foot goaltender <laughs> that is about the size of a beanpole but the, but the guy knows what he's doing yeah exactly my, um, my interest sorry to cut you off there is great. uh why buffalo Devin Levy's name even comes up because Anderson's mm. 700 years old. He's retired <laughs> any minute now. Well, it's right? more, it's more Ukapakaluka and maybe yeah. taking the next step, right? Yeah. He's starting I love that to, name. Right? I, I do too. I do too. That, that, that's worth 50 points in a scrabble. Board. <laughs> but it, it's kind of the emergence of him. And, yes. and you got to think Levi was a, a, a draft pick of the Florida Panthers. That's right. When they already had Bobrovsky, they already had Spencer Knight and everything. So he was a disposable player at the time yeah i just i yeah, just but look where at does levy play now northeast uh-huh. 
Northeastern. Yeah. Ah, and yeah. who does he play with? Is Sonny Jack? Yeah. Oh. I, I, I'm just saying, like Devin Levy is one of the top, yeah, young goalie prospects going, yeah. and I don't. Buffalo's always had goaltending issues since they got rid of Ryan Miller. Yeah, but, I, uh, I I really don't see them, Trig. I think I see where you're going with this. I yeah. hope I do. And it's like I don't see them parting with 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 him right now. Me neither. Again, that, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. everyone says, oh, we got to get Levy. We got to get Levy. And I'm like, I don't see them parting with. Him. Not uh, until they've seen a bigger sample size of, of Lukanen's work. Yeah, exactly. Right. And right. Uh, I mean, I know they have that other guy, uh, Ortillo. That's Portillo. the one I think Portillo, they would go for. I think is the one. Yes, correct. That's yeah. the guy. That's the one they may be willing to move. Excuse yeah. me, my screen's wobbling. My cat's decided <laughs> to take a stroll back and forth. Bye. Well, he's a six foot six goalie, so that would yep. fit the kind of idea that you know the new mm-hmm. modern goalie. Right. Mm. But, uh, I don't like. I I, lo- I would love to get Devin Levy. I would love to get Dustin Wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think if the Habs are going for something like that, it's Dustin Wolf that you got to look at because there's nowhere for Dustin Wolf to go. Yeah. 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 That's right. Right. So that's right. you could probably, all right, Calgary, you got this guy wasting away. You He's going to be a trade want. chip unless they're going to yep. turn around and unload uh, Blader or they're going to unload Markstrom and Markstrom. You can't. So yeah. yeah, let's be realistic here. You know, Darth Vlader is the guy you, you end up moving. <laughs> if you don't move him, well, then it's going to have to be Dustin Wolf. Cause you just, like you said, you just can't let this guy sit and rot in your system. Yeah. So. He's an asset. Use it as a trade chip if you're not going to have him on your roster. Yeah, Huffman and are, Allen for Wolf. Right? Done. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Villadar is on a great contract. He just signed it. Yeah, he signed yeah. it in October. Exactly. Two point two mil. That's their for, tandem. Their tandem is yeah. Markstrom and Blader. So, and I'm saying right now, if they go to Calgary for Wolf, and they say, "Well, we want Anderson," and then that's when Hugh says, "Well, I want Wolf plus." Yep. And you make the deal. I have yep. no issue with that at all. Yep. I, neither would I. I. I honestly think that's going to be a draft day deal because Milan Lucic is coming off the books. Yeah. Right. So that's that's five and a half million, right? He's making six and a half. So you can fit Anderson under that. Well, they and, play a similar style, except Anderson can skate. And maybe that, Blaine, maybe that's what Hughes was also maybe kind of cryptically referring to. If we want to kind of be, think a little more conspiratorially minded here. When he says that he sees him as sort of like, oh, yeah, we like him for the future. We like him for the future. But but do you like him? Yeah. Do you like him for the future on the roster or do you like him as a future trade chip to address another need that brings in an asset like a Dustin Wolf? Because let's be honest, Caden Primo's not making the NHL. No, it's it's a shame. And, you know, but unless there's a a big, big change in him between now and next season. Yeah, I have to agree. But goaltending has always been Montreal's strength going back decades. You go back in the long line and I don't need to rattle them off because we all know who they are. But that's been an issue for me, you know, the last two years where I've just been looking and it's like, who's in their pipeline to be the heir apparent to carry Dolls and DeChow, really. But (laughs) But, I'm a big fan of DeChow, but you look at his SHL numbers, he's still the backup there. He hasn't won the the starting role. So there's nobody there who leaps out at you like, like Price did, uh, you know, where you can say, yeah, this, this kid's going to gut the goods. He's going to do it. Um, So yeah, if, if you've got to make the trade, make a trade to do it, then then make the trade to do it. 
And if it costs you Anderson to bring in somebody who's going to secure your goaltending future, because let's also be honest, once Jake Allen's done with this contract there, I mean, yes, Allen's there and bless him because he's there. He's, he's doing a terrific job being there, you know, to mentor to not just, you know, Montambo, but all the other young guys, he's well-liked on that team and he wanted to be there. He wants to stay bless him for that but after this contract if he isn't traded before this contract's up he's not going to be brought back he won't be resigned the net is i think is montambo's for as long as he wants it until he either plays himself out of the job right now but is montambo necessarily our long-term starter for the future no again yeah jury's out jury's out so you've got to have somebody who's got the pedigree that you you can look at and say yes that's going to be the guy and they don't have that in their system. And you, yeah, there's not a lot of real big standout goaltender prospects really around the league. I mean, you've got cost is it Casa is another one. Sebastian Cosa in Detroit. Yeah. Yes. But even, yeah. even there's been a bit of uh, he's bit been of, very hit or miss. Yeah. There's, for a, there's for a pick that high there. Yeah. Are, you're right, Matt. There's been some questions about that this right. season. What about that guy in Carolina? They just sent down. Um, uh, yeah, Koch, could I always pronounce his name? Kochikov, something like that. So but he had a hell of a Kochikov. The problem with Carolina is they're so good defensively. It's like, uh, yeah, the guy Detroit got. They got him because, well, what a season this guy had. Yeah, and he's really not that great. No, uh, it's because yeah. Carolina yeah. plays so good in front of these guys. Yep, it inflates their stats. So you though to really be, be though, though to be fair to Freddie Anderson though. The underappreciated Freddie Anderson. Yep. I mean, remember, he spent six years seeing more rubber than a dead skunk on the Trans-Canada Highway when he was <laughs> in Toronto and played very well and was always made the scapegoat by the Leafs and their fans because they couldn't get out of the first round because, ooh, he missed a save once in a while. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, he goes to Carolina where he's appreciating he's playing well. So I, Freddie Anderson is a very good goaltender. But your point is well taken about their defense, though. It absolutely right. is. Right. Yeah. But you even look at the goaltending prospects that are coming up. Yeah. And, you know, do you, do you use one of your draft picks to one of your, it doesn't necessarily a first round pick. Mm. Do you, do you use say a second round pick or even depending on what the market is Yeah. Um, to, to go after a, a defense or go after a goaltender? Yeah. Is right yeah. now like the midterm midterm rankings came out and Carson Bjornsson's number one from Brandon. You've got, Michael Hireball from Omaha, and then you've got Trey Augustine, who just played for the Americans at the uh, at the juniors. Yeah, and they're all different type of goalies. Yeah. you've got the traditional really big goalie, and then you've got the more athletic guy in Augustine. So it's it's hard to say, but for what Treg was saying, like I I think Wolf would be an excellent target. Yeah. I don't think Levi's going anywhere. You've still got Askarov in in um, um, Nashville. Yeah. You got Jesper Wallstead, et cetera. In Wallstead's Minnesota. the other one. Yes, I was trying to remember. Yeah, Wallstead so, as well. I, I, I don't think that it's going to come with him. And, yeah, and, and no. I, I'm a big Primo fan, but I, I think his, I think his uh, ceiling is probably back up at this point. Yeah. Or AHL yeah. player. Because he's well, struggling in Laval. Well, it says a lot. Laval has terrible defense, but yeah. <laughs> but but guys, it said it says a lot though when they when they when they called him up after Jake Allen got hurt and they just kept going back to to Monty every yeah. time. So, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah but, it but, looks but, to me but, like uh, he's not really in their long-term plan. Right. But no. when they, even when they put him in against Florida, mm-hmm. when I was sitting at home watching the game for that third period, I was like, this isn't a game I want to see him in on. Yeah. But the team started playing with a little bit more urgency mm-hmm. in front of him. And, and I, I think that'll, that'll help out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, I think we've reached our limit. Okay. Is there any final thoughts? We're going to, we're going to start with Treg and Matt, and then we'll, we'll end it with the all-star, the <laughs> chief, the chief of rumors. The premier but, uh, Trey, the first star. <laughs> uh, I just got to say is uh, how do pandas greet their friends? With bear hugs. You're welcome. <laughs> Dad jokes, ladies and gentlemen. Dad know, jokes. If I would have known that, I would have had one lined up. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got uh, I've, I've got nothing. Uh, be interesting to see moving forward what this team's going to look like so what these line combinations are going to look like uh as we record they're playing the leafs tonight uh, it's never really an easy out for them we'll see how it goes hope for the best and hope that uh this injury to caulfield isn't going to be a uh, a longer term thing that's going to be a detriment to his young career this is a year you want if you're going to have injuries this is the year to have it yeah absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. Uh, I'm I'm just glad Matt didn't say 110% or pucks in deep or any of that. (laughs) (laughs) Got to put the pressure on, get the pucks in deep. No, 110%. Yeah. Well, uh, the guys are all playing for each other today, you know, here on the podcast, uh, you know, uh, Triggs, you get in there, uh, you know, mixed up with the guys, uh, you know, Maddie there, uh, you know, uh, he's, he, he you know, kept a good eye on the analytics and then on the numbers for us and on the numbers yeah. and, uh, chief there, uh, chief there, Blaney. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, great, great job. Great job hosting as always. Uh, yeah. I'm, uh, uh, I'm a little tired, uh, on a long holiday, but uh, good work. Good work for the boys. A great team. After all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and scene. Yeah. Back to Kelly Rudy. Very well done. Very well done. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now Lyle any any final thoughts from you other than uh completely nailing that <laughs> uh I would just say uh very quick just two thoughts very quickly first of all uh yeah to, 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 to your point here guys uh you know this this is the first year of a rebuild it's it's often messy it's never pretty um but uh you know there, there are you know there are a lot of good things with this team this year compared to the dogs dinner you saw last season they are a better team uh, than what we saw last season there there are a lot of positives here going forward uh, to look toward and um, yeah just it's going to suck to miss the playoffs again but at least you know there's better days ahead and if you're looking forward to trades don't look for anything of any real significance I don't think until we get after the all-star break once we're after the all-star break now we're in, then we're into that final month those final four weeks that's when business is going to pick up as always. And as teams accrue more cap space, that's when we're going to see things uh, really, really start to go guys like Bo Horvat. Yeah. I think you're going to go Two other guys to keep an eye on Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko out of St. Louis. I think a lot of their future is going to depend on what happens in the next four weeks with St. Louis, if they're in the race or if they fall out. So keep an eye on those two guys, uh, Chicago Blackhawks, where we should know probably within the next two to three weeks if uh, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze are going to stay or will they go. 
So uh, keep an eye out for that stuff. It's going to be, we got a lot of big names in this year's trade market. A lot of big names. It's an unusual year. So keep an eye out. Uh, I think it could be a really exciting time. Lyle, I want to thank you for coming on and doing not just one, but two shows for us. Two mints in one. All in one day. All, All in, in one day. day. Yes. So where, where can our, our, our listeners and our viewers find you? Uh, well, right off the bat, of course, my website, spectershockey.net, where you will find uh, your, morning, your morning coffee headlines. I'm up bright and early every morning to post those up for you, as well as all the latest trade rumors that are making the rounds. Uh, you can also find me. I have uh, a almost daily column every week, five days a week with the Hockey News, again, doing a rumor roundup. And I'm also on Bleacher Report uh, doing a whole bunch of different things there, not just hockey rumors and, and that sort of thing. I just recently uh, completed a, a mock draft uh, after the World Juniors. Uh, spoiler alert, Connor, Connor Bedard is number one. Uh, oh. So there you go. I know, oh. shocking, right? Oh. Yeah. yeah, the devil you say. Had a terrible and, World Juniors. <laughs> Didn't score one Michigan. There, not one Michigan. There he is. Yeah, what a bum. And uh, I also have my column here with uh, the local paper here in PEI, The Guardian, uh, every two weeks with them. And if you read German, you can find me on Ice Hockey News over uh, in Germany. I write a weekly column with them as well. So uh, I get around. <laughs> <laughs> I will like never... Blades X. I, pro oh! <laughs> I promise you, I will never sing on the show again if you have me back. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. We don't mind. <laughs> uh, but I want to thank everybody who has tuned in, who has watched us on YouTube. Uh, I want to thank our new partners at Cryer Media, our current, our other current partners at the hockey, the hockey writers for sharing our stuff and putting our, our, uh, our show out there. Uh, and to you guys who are watching and listening, I really want to thank you guys for interacting with us, uh, sending us emails and comments and, and triggering some of the rants that Treg goes on. Uh, they're entertaining. Keep trolling him, please. <laughs> and uh, again, thank you for listening. And if you're talking about it, so are we. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. <laughs>